Hey, this is John from pureandsimplebible.com. Welcome back to the podcast. So glad that you are here again. Thank you for joining me. And this week, I'm having Brother Randy Ballard back on for a great conversation about a very challenging topic, the idea of apostasy and the dangers that are associated with that. You know, this website, pureandsimplebible.com, stands for a pure and simple Bible, which is why I use that title. And a lot of times that may seem like it's just going to talk about some of the lighter sides of the gospel or some of the easy things of the gospel. But you know what? We... As much as we want to talk about the simple side of the gospel, we want to talk about the pure side of it as well. And so when we talk about the dangers of apostasy, it's important to know that this is valuable for a Christian to consider, to study. And I hope that you'll uh, think about that as you join Randy and I in a good Bible conversation about the dangers of apostasy. Let's jump right in, shall we? I'm excited to have Brother Randy Ballard with me in studio, which is different than from the last time whenever we uh, were sitting at your kitchen table down in Houston. And uh, I did enjoy that conversation, but I'm also thankful to have this space specifically for it so that when my kids come running through, we don't have to pause and start over again. Unless, of course, they come knock on the door out here to join us. Yeah. Um, But I'm thankful for the work that you do. I'm thankful for our friendship and for the ministry that you do. serve down in Houston, in the Houston area at the Fairbanks Church of Christ. And today you have uh, brought a Bible study that we're going to talk about called The Danger of Apostasy. And that word might be new to some people, but we'll get to that in the study. So I'll let you bring that up as the study uh, calls for it. But I guess just to, to introduce the thoughts, uh, you begin the study by talking about uh, the common belief uh, among many denominational believers that uh, there is an inability to apostatize, and that's the same uh, maybe phrase as once saved, always saved, the inability to fall from grace. I guess start with there. Let's sum up what the common mindset is above uh, uh, that that many people might have on this. Yeah, well, I I do think the question of what does apostasy mean is a good one, and so we'll wait until later to, to develop that thought more. But let me just say this, apostasy typically means to depart from something. It's to rebel against, uh, some dictionaries will say it's to renounce your faith. So it's the idea of leaving something, changing your mind, departing uh, from something that you once held to be true. So the way that goes with, uh, and and I don't want to be a spokesman for someone else's beliefs, but a lot of people talk about the eternal security of the believer uh, it's impossible to fall from grace. Once saved, always saved. Right. Those are all names for a particular set of beliefs that uh, basically suggest that once a person is in a saved condition, they can never, ever be lost. They can never depart from the faith. They can mm-hmm. never renounce their faith. They can never do anything to lose their salvation. And uh, I personally do not subscribe to that belief. And it sounds like you have some scriptures that you'd like to share that will help support uh, why you don't come to that conclusion. Is that right? Oh, absolutely. And thank you for the opportunity. Uh, obviously, whenever we have any kind of a disagreement about something uh, in, in the scriptures, the, the answer is found in the Bible. So we have to look there. Okay. So let me give you a couple of examples. Okay. In 1 Corinthians 10, 
Paul gives a long list of things that the uh, children of Israel were guilty of. They had rebelled against God throughout their time of wandering in the wilderness and so forth, and they were punished. But look at what he says in verses 11 and 12 of 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Now, all these things happened to them as examples, and they were written for our admonition, upon whom the ends of the ages have come. Notice especially verse 12. Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. Okay. Just as it was possible for the Jews to rebel against God and be punished and be uh, uh, destroyed, so too a child of God today, someone who's walking with the rest of God's people, can stumble and fall. Right. We have to be careful that we don't fall. Okay. What else you got? Well, the Hebrew writer said that uh, people who have been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift, who have become partakers of the Holy Spirit, can fall away. That's in Hebrews chapter 6, verses 4 through 6. Right, okay. And there's some passages. I won't take the time to read them now. Uh, Paul wrote to Timothy and said, The Spirit expressly says that in the latter time some will depart from the faith. Uh, Peter talked about those that have escaped the pollutions of the world. Uh, if they go back to those things again, this is where he talked about the dog returning to its vomit and so right, forth. Right, right. But he says the latter end is worse with them than the beginning. Right. It's such an awful example to use with the dog. Uh, in in Hebrews 6, verse 6 specifically, I, I want to highlight that where it uses that phrase, if they fall away. Mm-hmm. Um, that's compelling for me. But what I'd like to do is maybe take on uh, somebody maybe who's listening to this, but they have other scriptures they're thinking about. Um, maybe they're thinking about Romans chapter 8, you know, uh, chapter 8, verse 1, which talks about how there's no longer any condemnation with those who are in Christ Jesus. Or later on in the chapter, verse 35, when it, that, that rhetorical question of who can separate us from the love of Christ, talking about nothing can, nothing can separate us. So how do we reconcile the scriptures you've brought up with these scriptures uh, to find a, a good consensus instead of maybe jumping to an extreme position on yeah. one end or the other. Yeah. Well, well, let me just say, first of all, the fact that you're asking that question is important and good. We can't take one position, one group of scriptures, and ignore others that seem to say something different. And so I would say to someone who uh, brings up the passages you mentioned, for example, in Romans chapter 8, this says there's no condemnation, so therefore... I'm going to say, well, what are you going to do about these passages that I just read? They suggest that a person can fall. So the first thing I'm going to say is even if I don't have the correct answer, there has to be an answer that reconciles those passages of Scripture. Clearly, it's possible for someone to fall away. It is possible for someone to depart. So I would just simply suggest that when we read those passages in Romans 8, the idea is there's nothing that someone else can do. Someone cannot separate me from the love of Christ. Uh-huh. Someone cannot make me depart. That right. doesn't mean I can't choose to depart on my own and that if I choose to depart, I won't have to answer for that. Well, this is definitely a conversation for another day, you know, going down that idea of uh, the, the ability to choose to depart, etc. But we're going to jump into the study about... Uh, the dangers of apostasy. So we do have to make a couple of assumptions that people agree with us on those previous points. And okay. uh, we'll, we'll just say this. If there is discussion that needs to be had, you can email me at pureandsimplebible at gmail.com. Where could they contact you if they had maybe some further issues about uh, the security of the believer? It might be best just to have them go through you and then you pass those along to me and I'll do my best to answer. Okay. Well, I'm just going to point, point them all your way then. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, in your notes, 
after you have established through the word uh, that there is the ability to fall away, it's time to kind of catalog it or categorize these types of apostasy. So I guess maybe that's a, a great place for us to to begin uh, meditating is the, the possibilities of apostasy. And so you have, I think, three that we're going to consider today. Help us uh, maybe understand what the scriptures have to say about that. Yeah, there are different uh, circumstances or situations wherein uh, someone can depart from the faith. And the first one is an individual, a single person uh, can make decisions in their life such that they depart from the correct way. Okay. Now, a scriptural example of that that I think of comes from Acts chapter 8. You may remember Philip had gone up to Samaria and uh, he preached the gospel there. And the right. Bible talks about many people uh, received what he had to say. Right. One of those people was Simon. Acts chapter 8 and verse 9 uh, introduces him to us. And it says in verse 13, Simon himself also believed and he was baptized and he continued with Philip and he was amazed because he saw these miracles and so forth that Philip did. Now, uh, the apostles in Jerusalem heard about this. They sent Peter and John uh-huh. uh, up there to lay hands on people and impart the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Okay. And the Bible says that when Simon saw that, remember he was a sorcerer before, and so he says, hey, uh, let me let me buy that gift from you. I want to be able to lay hands on people and impart such gifts as well. Right. Uh, Peter says to him, and it's, I think it's important to listen to what Peter says. Okay. This is, this is Acts 8, beginning in verse 20. Peter said to him, your money perish with you. So he's indicating that Simon himself is going to perish because you thought that the gift of God could be purchased with money. Mm. You have neither part nor portion in this matter for your heart is not right in the sight of God. So he's, he's condemning him for right. what he thought, what he said, what he did. And then look at verse 22, repent therefore of this, your wickedness and pray God, if perhaps the thought of your heart may be forgiven you for, I see that you are poisoned by bitterness and bound by iniquity. So here's wow. a man, you know, he had obeyed the gospel. He uh-huh. believed in Jesus, uh, but he became intrigued by the power the apostles had, and he wanted to use that power for his own personal benefit and gain. Peter said, your money's going to perish with you. That means it's going to be ruined right. or lost. Right. So Peter's telling him, you're condemned, and you need to pray and see if God will forgive you of this. He lost his spiritual position. Peter said, you don't have part or lot in this uh-huh. anymore. If he weren't forgiven, I believe he would have lost his eternal inheritance. Well, this is such a great example of individual apostasy. I want to add just two cents if I can, because I've had discussions about the ability to fall away. And uh, some people will say that, well, they were never really saved in the first place. So this is such a great scripture, I, I think, to help show them the truth um, it's so unfair when somebody has been sincere for 10, 20 years, and then suddenly they decide they don't want to be part of that group anymore, and they go back and live in the world, and, and the person that I'm speaking with says, well, they, they were never really a part of us in the first place. Yeah. And you think, for 10, 20, <laughs> 30 years, they, they were faking it the whole time? And, and the obvious answer is no, they weren't. They can change their mind. And here's a great example of a guy who didn't have to be baptized again, right? Simon... Uh, wasn't, well, he wasn't saved. And Peter said, well, yeah, now you got to be baptized again. No, all he had to do is repent because he was saved sure. and then lost. And in order to be saved again, he yeah. simply needed to repent of it. So. And the language Peter uses makes it pretty clear that he had lost his position. His spiritual condition had changed. Well, this isn't the only type of apostasy, correct? Oh, that's right. In addition to an individual 
departing from the faith, we can find a scriptural example of an entire congregation departing from the faith. Okay. And, and I think my favorite example of that is the church at Ephesus. If you go back and study, I've been engaged recently in a, in a study of the book of Acts with some people, and I've just uh, began to connect some dots so much that I had not before by going over it and over it and studying it and talking about it, mm-hmm. uh, really gained a greater appreciation for the book of Acts. And uh, so you read in Acts chapter 19 about the church at Ephesus. And of course, back, uh, in chapter 20, you find out when Paul goes back and speaks to the elders there, he was with that congregation for three years. The apostle right. Paul was there with them, teaching them uh, publicly and privately, uh, day and night. He was with them all the time. He was talking with them. They had been through a lot of things together. There were elders in that congregation. Uh, they were praised as being a faithful congregation. They were right. strong uh, they had everything going for them. But we remember that when he was speaking to the elders of Ephesus uh, towards the end of Acts chapter 20, he says, beginning in verse 28, take heed to yourselves, you as an eldership, and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. For I know this, that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. So there were, there were false teachers that were going to come in from the outside, okay. and uh, many people would uh, not be spared from that. But he says also from among your own selves, from among this eldership, from among the Christians, men will rise up speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after themselves. So I take from that verse 30, uh, the, the, the emphasis here is that these are Christians gone bad. This isn't people from the outside. These are Christians gone bad who are going to be deceiving and helping others uh, leave the faith. Yeah, that's right. And, you know, I have to say there's nothing here that suggests to me that these people who speak perverse things do so intentionally or knowingly. They may have. There may be people from among an eldership or from from among Christians that would intentionally and knowingly teach false doctrine to a congregation. Right. But that's not typical. Generally speaking, someone has a misunderstanding. Someone comes to believe a false doctrine and they share that. And because of their own personal uh, charisma Uh or ability, uh, they're able to teach that and draw people away after them. So what happens in Ephesus is by the time we get to Revelation chapter two and Jesus is giving to John some instructions for the seven churches of Asia, he says to the church in Asia, in uh, Ephesus, this is Revelation 2, 4, and 5. Right. Nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Remember, therefore, from whence you have fallen. Oh. Repent and do the first works, or else I will come quickly and remove your candlestick, your lampstand from its place, unless you repent. So they had fallen from something. They were right. no longer addressed as a faithful congregation. And the Lord said he was going to remove their candlestick if they didn't repent. Well, what does that mean? I mean, it sounds kind of an obscure threat. I'm going to remove <laughs> your candlestick. Help me understand that. Okay. Yeah. Well, if you go back to the end of Revelation chapter one, there's a description there of Jesus walking amongst. Well, actually, it, it, it describes this individual walking amongst some candlesticks. Uh-huh. But it says in Revelation one twenty, the mystery of the seven stars that you saw in my right hand and uh-huh. the seven golden lampstands, the stars are the angels of the seven churches and the seven lampstands, which you saw are the seven churches. So oh, okay. the, the lampstand was a symbol of their ability to be a church. And so if he says, I'm going to come remove your lampstand, they were not going to be the, one of the Lord's churches anymore. Right. So that that's an entire congregation that can apostatize. 
And what's the time frame there from the Ephesian church being established with Paul to this letter about, what, 30, 40, 50 years-ish? Probably not even that long. Okay. Yeah, so probably we're looking at maybe maybe 20 to 40 in the generate in a, in a single generation. You exactly. know, somebody could be a founding member, but also see the lampstand being removed if they didn't repent. That's right. Well, we've considered an individual apostasy, a congregational apostasy. Uh, but you have a third one that we're going to look at as well, right? Yeah. The third one is when an entire group of congregations uh, drift away or depart from the truth. And uh, the example of that, I think, from the scriptures comes from Second Thessalonians chapter 2. Okay, let's look at that. Yeah, the problem was there were people in the church at Thessalonica who knew about the second coming of Christ, but they labored under the misconception that it had already occurred, right? Right. And so listen to what he says. I'll begin reading in the first verse of Second Thessalonians 2. Now, okay. brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him, we ask you not to be soon shaken in mind or troubled either by spirit or by word or by letter as if from us, as though the day of Christ had come. Now, when I read that verse two, not soon, not to be soon shaken in mind or troubled, it gives a few ways that I could be by spirit or word or letter. What does that mean exactly? Well, just that there's a lot of ways that people can be deceived. They can be shaken in their mind. They, they should have been firm in this. Paul right. had already taught it to them previously. It was a well-established truth, but they may be shaken in mind. And the specific things he mentions here are by spirit, by word, or by letter as if from us. So by spirit would suggest to me that some people thought that they were receiving inspiration from the Holy Spirit, or maybe people were getting up and claiming the Holy Spirit right. uh, is inspiring me and telling me to tell you this, and yet it was in conflict with what they had already been taught by the apostles. We can see an attitude similar to that in 1 Corinthians 12 through 14, people who are valuing their own gift more than the edification of the church. Well, sure, and frankly, we see the same thing today. Uh, there are people that I know, there are people I've talked to, there are people I have heard on the radio and television who are saying that God spoke to them and told them something, and yet it's different than what we can read about in the Bible. Right. And right. Uh, I'll say more about that in a couple of minutes, because okay. that's actually the direction we're going oh, here. Oh, good. But, but I think it's interesting also when he says uh, one of the ways they could be shaken in mind is as if uh, in letter, as if from us. Okay, what's that mean? Well, it sounds like there were people who were probably saying, I've got a letter here from the Apostle Paul. Oh, like a forgery. Yeah, and, and he's telling me this or that. You know, there was a similar situation that we can read about back in Acts chapter 15 where uh, some false teachers had gone up to a number of places where Paul had been, Antioch in particular, but they went to other places as well, and they were teaching something that was contrary to what Paul and Barnabas and Silas and others were teaching, but they claimed that they came from Jerusalem and that the apostles had sent them out to make this correction. So. Right. There were people that knew Paul, they loved him, they trusted him, he had been instrumental in their salvation, and yet here comes someone saying, Paul's wrong about this, and we know that because the apostles sent us to tell you this. They all went down to Jerusalem to talk to the apostles about this, and they said, no, we did not send these men out. So that's something that was taking place. Right. Uh, so it's not unlikely that somebody would have said, the Spirit directed me in this, or I have a letter that says this, and so forth. Well, you know, uh, I'm thinking about in Second and Third John, a couple of very short epistles, but part of it was the hospitality they were supposed to be sharing to 
especially people traveling through who are going to be going to preach in different ways. So uh, that's a way to get a free meal ticket might maybe would be to, if, hey, look what I got. I got <laughs> yeah. this this letter from the Apostle Paul. So it would be really easy for somebody who's carnally minded to take advantage of well-meaning brethren. Well, and think about how that would elevate you in the minds of other people. We know that some even talked about who baptized them. Oh, oh that's true. I was baptized right. by Peter. I was baptized by right. Paul. That makes me better than you. If someone can say, hey, uh, Paul told me to tell you this, or I've got a letter from Paul, uh, that would certainly raise them, I think, in the, their esteem in the sight of some people. Okay. Where are we at in the notes? <laughs> okay. Well, let's see here. We <laughs> go, we, I think we stopped at verse 2. And uh, Paul tells them not to be shaken in mind by any of these things, even if somebody claims to have a letter, even if uh, someone claims that the Holy Spirit is speaking to them. Right. But really, let's get into verse 3, because that's where we get into this idea okay. of an entire movement of congregations away from the truth. Okay. So he's been talking about the second coming of Christ, the false doctrine that had already occurred. And so he says in verse 3 of Second Thessalonians 2, Let no one deceive you by any means. For that day will not come unless the falling away comes first. Mm. And the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things? So it's like Paul was preaching about warning them about this falling away group of churches, a, a region that could fall away rather quickly if they're shaken in spirit, word, and letter, and they seem to have forgotten his teaching. Yeah, he, he was saying, when I was there, I warned you this was going to happen. People will come uh, teaching false doctrines, and I've told you what the truth is, so don't let this shake you. And I think that's really the key uh, to this whole thing. That's the antidote to being deceived and falling away from the truth, is grab hold of what the apostles taught uh, learn it, study it, stand on it, cling to it. Don't let anyone take you away from it. Okay. I need to know what the word apostasy means. And maybe this is a good time for <laughs> us to to talk about it because of that phrase in verse 3. It says, the falling away. So help me understand that phrase and what it has to do with the title of this Bible study. Yeah, that's the, thank you for that question. Yeah, if you look at the Greek word that is translated in verse 3, the falling away, he's not just saying a falling away, the falling away. There's some kind of a major event that's going to take place. But that Greek word falling away is apostasia. That's where we get our word apostasy from. Okay. And it means a defection from the truth. But, you know, it seems like that most of the scholars and, and definitions that I read from indicate it was a little bit stronger than just, you know, accidentally stumbling and, and right. taking a step or two in the wrong direction. It's almost like a revolt or forsaking the truth. Well, when you use the word a defection from truth, that reminds me of military. Uh, I think about the difference between a soldier who makes a mistake and a soldier who joins the enemy side. Exactly. Right? Yeah. So we don't have to worry on a daily basis. Am I in apostasy whenever we stumble but we ask for forgiveness and get back up. That's not apostasy, no. but but defecting to the devil's cause or actively seeking to be divisive uh, in the Lord's church and pull people away is a lot different than, than me struggling with temptation, right? Yeah, yeah, that's true, but I do want to make one thing clear. I don't think that a person has to make a decision in their mind 
I am going to join the devil's side. That's true. To be working with the devil. Good point. If we don't put enough <laughs> emphasis on what the scriptures have to say, and if we depart from the truth in something, you know, uh, when I have Bible studies with people, most people I find today are very open, very interested in the truth. They want to know what God has to say. They're willing to learn it and apply it in their lives. But some of the hardest people to talk to are the ones that are in religious error. And you can show them sometimes in the scriptures what the Bible has to say. Uh-huh. And their answer is, well, you know, I, I just don't take it that way. I don't think that's important to God. I don't really think it means that. Well, that's what it says. Why would God give us something that says something, but it doesn't really mean what it says? And so I think sometimes people have a mindset, not that they want to uh, join the devil's cause and defeat God. It's just they think, well, what I view and what I want to do is more important than what God says. God will accept me in that. That's a great point to make because human nature is not so two-dimensional that if you become opposed to the Lord, you're suddenly wearing all black in the corner, rubbing your hands together with an evil villain laugh. Exactly. Right? You, you can be misguided, believing that you are uh, serving God. Really, your intentions are just serving yourself. This would be a great way, I think, to segue into the next big uh, part of this study. Uh, we're, we're talking about maybe some of the causes of uh, apostasy or maybe some of the misconceptions of it. So maybe we can clear up that by considering a few causes that would make somebody uh, leave or defect to the other side, even if they're not knowing that they're doing it. So can we jump into that? Yes, but let me make one comment about oh, what you just said. Okay. I, I agree with you, and you talk about somebody, you know, dressing all in black and rubbing their hands together and looking <laughs> real sinister. Well, think about this. When Paul was warning the Ephesian elders of what was going to happen in their congregation and what ultimately did happen, uh, he told them that men would speak perverse things and draw away disciples after them. I suspect that in any church in America today, if somebody stood up wearing a devil costume and said, <laughs> everybody come follow me, I'm going to take you into apostasy, no one would be willing to do that. Right. But it's because a person is persuasive and convincing and they appear righteous and maybe even in their own minds, they're trying to do the right thing and thinking it's right. Correct. But they're departing from the clear, simple teaching of the word of God. Uh, that's a, that's an apostasy. That's a departure as well. It may not have the same sinister uh, overtones. Right. You know, but it, but it's a defection nonetheless. Well, Second Corinthians 11, if the devil masquerades as an angel of light, then those that follow him are going to appear in the same way. So some some of the most uh, compelling or uh, well-spoken, well-intentioned people might be the ones who are masquerading in light, even though they might be very charismatic if they're not bringing that pure and simple doctrine, that simplicity that's in Christ, then uh, they're not worth following after. Yeah, they, they're not following the pure and simple Bible, if I can put in a plug for oh, you. There you go. I like it. <laughs> Yeah, well, the thing about it is, and let me go back and just draw out the main point from this passage in 2 Thessalonians chapter sure. 2. Paul says Jesus is not going to return until there comes a great falling away. The falling away is going to occur. So what that means is there's going to be a general movement. There's going to be a great apostasy where not just one person or one congregation, but vast numbers of people depart from the word of God. Now, let me just suggest something to your mind. I okay. believe that we can look around the religious world today and we see something that is not at all what Jesus or the apostles envisioned or talked about uh, when the church was established. 
we see all manner of denominations in the world today. We call them denominations because each of them has its own name. That's really what the word denomination means, to give names to. So we have all these groups with different names. Why do we give them different names? Well, because they believe different things. Right. Well, now, wait a minute. Paul told the Corinthians that he taught the same thing in every church. If he taught the same thing and every time a congregation began to veer off and do something different, he or one of the other apostles would correct them and bring them back in line. Right. How is it possible today that we have hundreds of different groups with different names who teach different things, sometimes in direct opposition to one another? Sometimes mm -hmm. those beliefs are mutually exclusive. And I would just say this. Somebody somewhere along the way has departed from the true path. You can't have people going in different directions if they're walking on the same path. So before we even try to establish who it was, when it was, or where it was, we have to acknowledge the fact that someone has left a position that was once held. Someone has fallen away or departed from the faith. I'm going to pray today and later as well for humility for me to consider that question and not just place it on others to consider that is what I'm doing in line with the Bible versus being part of that pattern of falling away because it's really easy to point fingers at others but then not to consider it yourself. So sure. I'd ask others to pray that as well, that we would uh, have that same mindset that Jesus had when he prayed for unity in John chapter 17, that, that we all be one, that, that the word is the truth, to be sanctified in truth, etc. So that's my, I guess, uh, motivation for those who are listening is let's pray for ourselves that we're going to be right with the Lord instead of pointing our finger at others and and assuming that they're going to be the ones, let's make sure we're right. Yeah, it's thank, kind of what, yeah. Th thank you for saying that, and I agree a hundred percent. I think if we don't recognize the fact that we can be mistaken as well. Mm -hmm. Well, let's jump into this next uh, section in the study: the causes of apostasy. We've kind of talked about it a little bit in conversation. Well, we're going to have to stop right there. We're out of time for this week, but I do want you to join next week as Randy and I finish up this great conversational Bible study about the dangers of apostasy. Until next week, you can go to the website, you can check out previous episodes, you can find video content, downloadable study content. It's all yours to use absolutely free. And until next week, this is Jonathan Edwards. Always remember, God loves you very much, and I do too. Lord willing, see you next week. Well, I'm here to tell you a story, a story that is true, about a judge by the name of Gideon. He was a man like me. And